my history, I don't know about the rest of you, but it's been my history to live swaths of my life, large sections of my life, years of time. It's been my own personal history to live years of my time with feeling like my feet were in at least two different worlds. This one and this one, or this one, this one, and this one sometimes. And over the next seven or eight weeks, I'd like for us to explore what it means to be all in spiritually. What it means to be heavily and fully invested in a personal connection with God based on what Jesus Christ has done. And we want to begin over the next few weeks by talking about our finances. You know, money was one of Jesus, shockingly, money was one of Jesus' favorite topics of conversation. Because he knew that the way in which we spent our money pretty directly reflected what our priorities were and how we felt in our hearts. So we want to spend the next few weeks talking about how we use our financial resources well. When we get to the end of these few weeks, we're going to talk big picture about overall the flow and the use of our money. But in particular, I want to start by answering a really specific question. I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago that was talking about millennials, which is basically the generation of my children and all the way down to these kids. Right now, I think demographers will demarcate that generation as like 28, 29, all the way down to the older elementary age kids. And this article was talking about how leery this generation is of church in general. In fact, maybe more leery than any generation before it. The typical quote that you'll hear from this generation, and in fact, you see it all the time in blog. There were a couple of millennials that have grown up in our church and uh, Terry Eagle, who's part of our staff, she sent me a couple of other articles a few months ago that were tagged in Facebook from a couple of these folks who had grown up in our church, and these were blogs. She said, this is very interesting. So I went on and looked at it, and essentially, I mean, if you had to boil these blogs down to uh, one sentence, they would say, I really admire Jesus, but I don't think much of the church. So this article that I was reading said, here's the question that millennials have in front of their brain. Every time they walk into a place like this, they think, why should I give to you? I mean, there are a lot of demands on my money. There are personal demands on my money. There are family demands on my money. And that's true for all of us. You and I live in one of the wealthiest counties in America. And most of you do very, very well for yourselves. But it's not like you've got huge amounts of discretionary income, that wads of money in your pocket today that you just can't decide what to do with. Your money is profoundly committed to mortgage and car and those of you who are really doing well and planning well, saving for college. So why should I give? I felt like that was a deeply important question for all of us, not just for millennials, but especially for those of you who trend younger. And I think it's a fair question. Why should I give to charitable causes? So today we want to take a leap financially and talk about what the Bible says about why we should give. Before I do that, I'd like, Jonathan, I want you to show the picture 
uh, that we're using for our all-in series. If you, this is Terry Eagle, who went skydiving with her husband in Hawaii this summer. Here's why I thought this was a perfect image for us in our series all-in. I understand the thought of this absolutely terrifies me and frankly makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth. But they tell me that all you have to do to go skydiving now is get yourself in the plane. I think legally, by insurance purposes, they will not let someone anymore in America, they won't let you go up and jump out of a plane by yourself. Everybody who jumps out of a plane now, no matter where it is, they go tandem. So you go up in a plane, you get strapped into somebody who's done it about 15 times already that day, and they get you up to the right altitude, they jump out, you're terrified for a second, and then I think it's exhilarating, Tim will have to tell us after the service, and then he pulls the cord and you float down. So basically what you have to do to get yourself to skydive is get in the plane. I also understand if you get in the plane... They will not let you not dive. (laughs) They will push you out of the plane because you're attached to somebody who's going whether you want to or not. Maybe that's not a great image. But what we want to do over the next seven or eight weeks is to figure out how to get ourselves on the plane. Because I really believe that's appropriate for you and I. I think if we get on the plane, here's what we find. God is with us. His Spirit indwells us. And if we just get on the plane, then we'll get all in. We don't have to figure it all out. So, how do we take the leap financially? Why should I give? Why should I give to charitable causes? Now, you need to know that throughout church history, the church, capital C, not any particular church, but the church at large, has raised its capital in a variety of ways. The church over time has sold products. It's sold services or schooling. I mentioned last week there was a period in the Middle Ages when the church sold forgiveness. The church has even taken money, raised capital from national taxes. That was especially popular in northern European countries. But throughout Europe in various centuries, the church has taken money from national taxes. But the primary model for churches today, especially churches in the United States, is free will offering. We raise capital as a church by free will offerings. So that's why every Sunday we make it a habit. It's a discipline at Gateway. At some point in our service, we try to make it a part of our worship experience. We'll pass a basket around down the row, and people in our congregation will give. Some of you give online or some of you give by mailing checks to Gateway. We're developing right now the capacity for you to be able to ultimately give through our website. But it all happens by free will offering, by you and I offering of our own selves and our own heart. We give. So why should we give? Well, today, real quickly, I'm going to give you three reasons why we should give, and I'll give more next week. But let me give three reasons why we should give. And I want to start by rereading that passage from Acts chapter 20. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 20, verses 33 through 35. And if you would, stand with me out of reverence for God's Word. I especially want you to hear the very end of this passage. 
Acts chapter 20, verses 33 through 35. This is Luke writing, and this is at the end of one of the Apostle Paul's speeches. Listen to what he says. 32 through 35. Now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, here we go, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You can be seated. So the first reason to give to charitable causes, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. The first reason to give to charitable causes is because giving is a sure path to sustainable happiness. Giving is a sure path to sustainable happiness. God is not the pleasure police. I grew up thinking that God didn't want me to have a good time because everything that seemed like a good time seemed like sin. God is not the pleasure police. God wants you to be happy. That's why it said at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6, one of the other passages that was read for us, God has given us everything for our enjoyment. God's problem with us is not that we're experiencing too much pleasure. God's problem with us is that we experience it in the wrong places. And our pleasure is not sustainable. This is the point of Paul's speech in Acts chapter 20. We need to be givers because giving is a better way to live. It's a way to sustain our happiness. It's a better way to live than taking or keeping. This is why, boys and girls, that your parents teach you to share. It's not just so they won't have a hassle in their household, although that's true, but they teach you to share because ultimately it's better to give than it is to receive. And this should be motivation for us. I want you to notice that Paul doesn't just say it's better to give than it is to receive. Paul says we need to remember that it's better to give than receive because this helps us be motivated. This is a better way to live. And giving is its own reward. It's better to give than receive. He's not saying you should give. You shouldn't receive. He's saying it's better to give. Your life will go better if you're a giving, generous person. Last week, I think, Diane and I, for the first time, well, first time for me, second time for Diane, we watched the movie Argo. Spoiler alert if you have not seen Argo, but it's the story of the Iranian hostages back in the late 70s, early 80s, and a group of Americans were taken hostage in the American embassy in Iran, and a small group, a small cadre, five or six Americans snuck out of the embassy and did not get taken hostage, but they spent weeks and weeks hiding at the Canadian embassy, and no one could figure out how to get them out of Iran. So this American CIA agent hatched a really unbelievable plan, and I won't tell you that. You'll have to see the movie if you have not to see it. But it's a great story, even if you know the ending. It's a great story. He hatches this incredible plan just tell you this, they pretend that they're going to make a movie. And so he goes in and he works this whole thing and it's, it's an unbelievable, remarkable story into the movie. They actually get out and they're on the airplane and I love, there's a shot, Ben Affleck is the actor, and I, there's a shot of Ben Affleck on the airplane when they're flying out of Iran and it, it's an unbelievable look of satisfaction 
accomplishment joy. He gets back to the U.S. and he hears that the CIA is going to give him the highest award that they can give. But then they're going to take it back from him because nobody can know anything about, ever, anything about this episode. And I'll tell you what I felt personally. For those of you who've seen it, I don't know what you felt, but what I felt personally when I saw that, I thought, who needs applause? Who needs a reward? I mean, knowing that I had pulled that off, saved these six people's lives, and accomplished it, it's like, oh my gosh, that was amazing! How often in life do you get to be a hero, a genuine hero? I mean, it's its own reward. I wouldn't need anybody to applaud for me. I wouldn't need, certainly wouldn't need a monetary reward. It would seem silly to have been given a monetary reward for that. That's what giving does. Giving is its own reward. I have the sneaking suspicion, in fact, that the more sacrificial it is, the greater the reward. There are indications of that in the passages read for us this morning. You want to be consistently happier? We'll start giving more away. Try to figure out ways to increase what you give. Because that's a sure path to sustainable happiness. There are other ways to find happiness. You can make more money. You can cheat. You can do heroin. You know, there are ways to achieve happiness, but they're not sustainable, and they always steal from you ultimately. They're not life-giving. If you want to be happier, if you want a, a sustainable, a sure and sustainable hap- path toward happiness, give more. Secondly, when we give, we are more like God. The Bible is full of reflections on God's generosity. He longs, the psalmist tells us in many places, he longs to be gracious to you and show you compassion. The song that Pete started the service off for us today with is from James chapter 1, verse 17. James, Jesus' brother, says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God longs to be gracious to us. God is a deeply generous God. 1 Timothy 6, the other passage that was read for us by the kids this morning, makes an interesting point about what constitutes real gain. It says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Wow, I thought gain was gain, but evidently not. Evidently, our gain is tied up in our generosity and our giving. We would like to think that hoarding lots of resources would be great gain, but the Bible says just the opposite. Godliness with contentment is gain. Evidently, the the opposite of greed, evidently, is, is godliness with contentment, and it's what amounts ultimately to gain. So if you want to gain, then practice giving, practice generosity. In fact, at the end of this section in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. That we would suspect. But listen to why. Because wealth is so uncertain. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 
In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they will now and in the coming age take hold of real life. Life that's truly life. Third reason, because greed is dangerous. Greed is dangerous. The love of money leads to all kinds of evils. It leads to ruin, Timothy says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll read it again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evil. I saw online last week an article that was originally published in the Boston Globe. The author asked the following interesting question. Does money change you? Here's what he said. Here in the home of the American dream, most people are convinced that gaining a lot of money wouldn't change who they are, but is that really true? I'm going to go on from this article. As a mounting body of evidence is showing and research is showing, wealth can actually change and how we behave, and not for the better. Rich people have a harder time connecting with others. They show less empathy and they tend to dehumanize those who are different from themselves. They are less charitable and generous. They are less likely to help someone in trouble and they are more likely to defend an unfair status quo. If you think you'd behave differently in their place, meanwhile, you're probably wrong. These aren't just inherited traits, they are developed ones, according to the latest research. Money, in other words, changes who you are. Let me go on. The article went on to summarize research studies conducted by uh, Professor Kathleen Voss at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management. Voss and her colleagues have found that even the mere suggestion of getting more money, a technique they called priming the subjects. The mere suggestion of getting more money makes people less friendly, it makes them less sensitive to others, and it makes them more likely to support statements like some groups of people are inferior to others. Another series of studies from the University of California at Berkeley concluded that wealthier people tend to be less compassionate toward others in a bad situation than people from lower class backgrounds. The article noted that if you win the lottery and you want to avoid becoming an insensitive lout, I'm quoting from the Boston Globe, there is a simple solution. One of the researchers summarized it this way, give the money away. Because money changes you. Greed is dangerous. It literally changes who we are. If we want to live a bigger and safer life, then give generously because greed is dangerous. Okay, boys and girls, let me have your attention for a second. I'm not just talking to your parents. I want you to see a video that Miss Diane and I saw on CBS News. Some of you may have seen this. If you'd like to see this later, it's, I think you can search the Burrito Boys. But I want you to see what a group of boys did with, what generosity did, I should say, to a group of boys. A couple of brothers, I think. So, Jonathan, let's show this video. We saw a piece also on CNN. It's now over 40,000 burritos that these boys have given out. This isn't just for your parents, boys and girls. I don't think I was clear about the second point. 
So I'm going to give them again. This is why we should give. Giving is a sure path to sustainable happiness. If you want a more certain, stable happiness, give more. When we give, we become more like God. It's godliness with contentment. is great gain. He warns about greed and he warns about the dangers of it. And the alternative to that is to be like God, to be generous, because our God is a generous God. And the third reason is because hanging on to your stuff is dangerous. It's dangerous to your parents. It's dangerous not to train our children to be givers. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for their spiritual lives. It's dangerous for their marriage. And it's dangerous for you and for me. Giving is a sure path to sustainable happiness. When we give, we become more like God, and greed is dangerous. That's why we give. It's not because the church needs money. And by the way, the church does need money. We've been talking for the last few weeks about our growing excitement about a a coming building effort here at Gateway. But I want to assure you, I'm not preaching over the next three or four weeks about money because we're going to start a building giving campaign coming up in a few months. We are going to start a giving campaign coming up in a few months. So fair warned if you're considering becoming part of Gateway. Although we think this is an incredibly exciting time for you to dive in. But I'm not preaching on money because of that. I'm preaching on money because Jesus told us over and over again, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's why greed is dangerous. And that's why when we give, we're actually more like God. It's one of those rare disciplines. It's hard to figure out the spiritual life, isn't it? But here's something you can actually do that will literally make you more like God. And it is a sure path to sustainable happiness. So you want to be happier? Try planning not how you can get the new couch or the deck on the back of the house, but try planning how you can give more away. Let's pray together.